Good morning, TBA. How are y'all this morning? Oh, come on. Are you awake? This is the 11 o'clock service, right? Big Creek. <laughs> well, good morning. Welcome to TBA. My name is Dave Shive. I am one of the pastors here. And we just want to say that we're so glad you decided to come and worship with us this morning. We are going to continue in our Sabbath series uh, today. And we've been talking about, in this Sabbath series, we've been talking about our need to rest. Not just physical rest, although physical rest is really important, but a spiritual rest, a spiritual recharging. A time where we rest in the presence of God and reflect on all that He has done. A time to focus on Him and His holiness. A time to reset and recharge. A time to allow God to change our perspective from an inward perspective to an outward perspective. And really a time for the Holy Spirit to fuel us up for the upcoming work week. And since we spend most of our time working, today we're going to take a look at our work week. And I want to look at how it would change if we truly took a Sabbath. If we took a Sabbath each week, how might that change the way that we look at the work that we do? Because I often think we look at work a little backwards. Often we look at work in a very negative connotation. Work is something that we have to do. It's something that we have to do in order to provide for our families, to pay our bills, and to pay for the things that we enjoy doing when we're not working. In other, in other words, many times we are working so that we can rest and enjoy life. But what if it was meant to be the other way around? What if instead of working to rest, we rested to work? Now at first you might say, well, what's the difference? Work to rest, rest to work, it's all the same. But it isn't. It's all a matter of perspective and how we view work and rest. And truthfully, we have the wrong perspective when it comes to work a lot of the times. See, as pastors, we get to counsel a lot of people. And the subject of the workplace comes up a lot in our counseling. A lot of people are dissatisfied with their jobs. We get a lot of prayer requests asking us to pray for them, to find another job, to find a job that's less stressful, or to pray for a situation at work because their boss is being unfair or they're having a hard time with a coworker. And while it's not wrong to pray for those things, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't pray for your job. What we see over and over again is the stress that a career puts on an individual's life, as well as the stress that it puts on their family. And plus, I haven't always been a pastor. I mean, the first 13 years of my career, I was in the business world, and I've worked all the way from entry level all the way up to upper level management. So I know the drama and the politics and the frustration that goes on in the workplace. And it seems like all across America, people seem to be very dissatisfied with their jobs. Forbes magazine did a survey on job satisfaction in America, and here's what they found. They said that only 19% of people were satisfied with their jobs. Another 16% said they were somewhat satisfied. But nearly two-thirds of the respondents said they were not happy at work. 21% said they were somewhat unsatisfied and 44% said that they were unsatisfied. And out of all the people that responded, 32% of them said they wanted a new job. See, the number one reason as to why workers were dissatisfied with their jobs was because they didn't see value in what they did. That their work didn't mean anything. It wasn't purposeful. It was just a means to an end. 
And it isn't just in our society that work has a negative connotation. It's been that way for a very long time. Throughout history, cultures have denigrated the value of work. Many cultured Greeks and Romans viewed manual labor as beneath their dignity, fit for only slaves or the lower classes. Aristotle actually said that working as a craftsman or a trader is to be devoid of nobility and hostile to the perfection of character. Even Solomon, the wisest man in the world, had questions about the value of work. And seeing it purely from a human perspective, Solomon argued that work is futile. Look at what he says in Ecclesiastes. He says, Thus I considered all of my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I exerted, and behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind. And there was no profit under the sun. Thus I hated all the fruit of my labor for which I had labored under the sun, for I must leave it to the man who will come after me. See, Solomon was looking at it from purely a human perspective, and he had the wrong perspective because that's not the way God intended work to be. If you look in Genesis 2, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now, all of this happened before the curse. This is before sin enters into the world. See, work has always been a part of God's perfect plan for our lives. The fall of mankind did not initiate work, but made it harder to do. Look in Genesis 3. And he said to the man, he said, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. And all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. And by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. Now catch this important distinction. God didn't curse Adam, and God didn't curse his work. He cursed the ground. Or in other words, God made the ground much more resistant to Adam's work. Adam could still get results from tilling the ground, but only with hard and difficult labor. Now there were thistles and thorns where there once were none, and sweat would be required for the bread that he ate. And the dirt that is now cursed would also claim their lives one day. So what does that mean? It means work has never been a curse. Work has never been a curse, but a gift from God. And part of his purpose and plan for mankind from the very beginning. The way sin impacted our work is simply that it made it more difficult to accomplish than it once was. However, work is not a curse. It's not a curse. It's one of God's greatest gifts to us. And it's a blessing that we're able to work. Now I know, believe me, I know it's hard to see it that way sometimes. Especially with the stress of deadlines and the pressure from supervisors and bosses. When that stuff is on you and it's heavy, I know it's hard to see it that way. But it is true. God has given us work as a blessing. He's given us work to learn and develop skills to allow us to contribute to society. Work allows us to provide for our families. You may not see what you do as a significant contribution, but it is serving a need or you wouldn't be working. See, work can have value, meaning, and fulfillment in our lives. I mean, think about it. Think about a time when you worked at something really, really hard. I mean, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into it. 
when you finished, did you not feel a sense of accomplishment, a sense of pride for the work that you produced? Well, that's the way work is supposed to be. It doesn't mean that it's easy, but through all of our toil and labor of work, there comes this sense of fulfillment. The problem is when we lose our perspective of how God designed work to be a part of our lives and we allow sin to taint it. See, if we're working only to achieve prosperity, success, or fame, then we've lost our perspective. If we're climbing the corporate ladder and we're stepping on everybody on the way to the top, then we've lost our perspective. If we're working so much that we miss our kids growing up, if the work that we do is the only place that we find value and significance, then we've lost God's perspective of work. And the opposite of that is true. If you see little value in the work that you do, even in what might seem the most menial of tasks, then you've lost God's perspective. If you're only doing enough to avoid being fired, if you're getting away with whatever you can get away with at work, if you're cheating your employer out of time, if you're indifferent to the quality of your work, if you're not putting your all in your job, then you've lost God's perspective of work. And in those cases, when we view work in that human perspective, then we're working to rest instead of resting to work. See, when we understand the biblical concept of work, then work isn't something we have to do. It's something that we get to do. And listen, I understand that working at a job you dislike is hard. But all work is hard because of the thorns and thistles. See, if you didn't have a disgruntled boss looking over your shoulder, if you didn't have coworkers who you didn't get along with, if you didn't have projects that were so hard to accomplish, your work might be one of the most enjoyable things in the world. Because work without thorns and thistles is fun. But when you put thorns and thistles in, then it becomes a burden. And I understand that. I do. I understand it. But just because it's hard doesn't mean that it can't be fulfilling. See, the challenge for us is to recognize that even though our labor can be hard and challenging, we have been designed to work in tandem with God in our work. Not just for ourselves. And that's why we need a regular Sabbath. I, I can't, we can't say it enough. You need a regular Sabbath. Because when we rest in God and reflect on His purposes, we begin to see God in our work. And that's the perspective change that we need to have. When we see that God not only has given us work for a specific purpose, but that it's part of His ultimate plan, and we see that God is working in step with us in that work, then we can work the way God intended it to be. So real quickly, I want us to look at three ways in which I think God has instituted work that will help us change the way we view work and our role that we play in work. And the first one is this. Work is God's provision to you. And that's probably one that we all know. We all know that work is set up for us to receive a paycheck in order that we may have food, clothing, and shelter. And work is a way to provide the necessary resources that we need to live. But have you ever stopped to think that the job you have, even if you hate it, have you ever stopped to think that that's actually a gift from God? Because God is our provider. And he's given you talents and abilities 
to work. And he's given you a place to work in order to provide for you and your family. Let's go back to Solomon again. At first he was looking at it from the wrong perspective. Let's look at what he says later on in Ecclesiastes when he comes around to God's perspective. He says this, There's nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also I have seen that it is from the hand of God. Every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. So this one, is, I think, is an easy one for us to understand. We understand that God is our provider. Although we often forget it, it's easy for us to forget it, but we understand that God is our provider. Work is God's provision to you, but it's not just for you because you and God are working together. So work is also God's provision to others through you. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians. He says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. See, working only to have is an American idea, not a biblical one. The most radical thing about this text is that we are commanded to do all of our work with a view of meeting the needs of others. God is calling us to have a new attitude towards work. In our society, we usually think in terms of having a job so that we can have money to meet our needs and to fulfill our desires to have more stuff for ourselves. But because we've been made new people through Christ, we need to view our jobs differently. When you get up and go to work, one of the main reasons you are going is so that you will be able to give a part of your paycheck to somebody else. What? What? Yes. It, does, it sounds crazy. Wait a minute. I go to work. I do all this labor. I do all of these things. That paycheck's mine. I worked for it. It is the fruit of my... No, 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 no. God commands us to share with those that are in need. It's a command. God gave you the job. God gave you the talents and skills. So it's not the fruits of your labor. It's God's work through you. And we're commanded to share that. That is a radical idea in our society. Early in the 20th century, Milton Hershey became one of the wealthiest men of his day. But working to amass wealth was not how Hershey defined his life. He measured his financial success in terms of what he could accomplish for others. He built a town. He built a whole town that provided pleasant living conditions for his employees. He built a medical center, a family amusement park, a school for underprivileged children. Milton Hershey loved to make chocolate, but to him, work was primarily a means to serve God and provide enjoyment for others. So you see, work is not just God's provision to us. It's God's provision to others through us. And work is also so that others can see God working through you. Look at what Paul says in Colossians. He says, whatever you do, work with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the reward Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. 
It's so much more important how you do what you do to earn a living than what you do to earn a living. See, all work has value, no matter what you do. And the truth is, any job that you hold may be transformed when you view it as a way to serve the Lord and glorify God in whatever you do. See, these verses were written to people who were living, for the most part, as nothing more than slaves. Their lives were never going to improve. Their work conditions would always be bleak and seldom. And their, their fortunes were never going to get any better. But see, everything changes. Everything changes when you begin to view your occupation as both a way to honor God and to represent God in which the way you accomplish your daily tasks. You're working for the Lord. See, I believe your job isn't just a job. I believe it's a spiritual duty. Work is sacred in the sense that it is done to the Lord. Whether you're washing clothes, whether you're going to school, whether you're scrubbing floors, taking care of children at home, maintaining the house, whether you're in the financial marketplace and you do accounting and bookkeeping, whether you deliver mail or teach school or drive a truck or operate a business or work in sales, it doesn't matter. Whatever you're doing, whatever you do, it's a service rendered to the Lord. He has gifted you. He has granted you talent. He has given you the ability to get wealth. He has allowed you the opportunity to provide your sustenance through your talents and abilities and experience. But it has to be done as if you were serving him, the one who gave you all of those things by which you earn your living. See, everything you do is a sacred trust. Have you ever think about your job as a sacred trust? That you're serving the Lord with your attitude and your diligence? That you're doing it for his honor and his glory? Yes, you're serving mankind too, because what you do provides a service to the employer that you work for. But ultimately, you are serving Jesus in your job. So if we're working for Jesus, he's our boss, right? Yeah, he is. So let me ask you this. Would you cheat Jesus out of hours? Would you do the minimum for Jesus? Would you complain about the job that Jesus gave you? Would you be angry because Jesus promoted somebody else instead of you? I mean, think about it. If we really look at Jesus as our boss, it should change the way that we view work, right? It should. Because it brings honor and glory to God. And it also, because it's our testimony, it's our testimony to the power of God in our lives that we show the world. Do you realize that you are going to spend, on average, about 90,000 hours working in your lifetime? 90,000 hours working in your lifetime. So who is going to see you the most outside of your family? It's going to be your coworkers. And when Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples, I believe for the majority of us, the workplace is what he's talking about. It's our biggest mission field. This is one of the main ways that we can live sent to the world around us. See, many of the people who you work with will never come to a church service like this one. 
Most of them will never hear a gospel message. So what does that leave? What does that leave for them? It leaves a powerful opportunity to be light in a world of darkness. Now, I'm not saying that God is asking you to stand on top of the cafeteria table and, and preach the gospel or to pass verses out on your coffee break. But what I think he is asking you to do is to begin to build relationships so that the gospel, gospel can be shared naturally with them, to invest in your coworkers, to take the time to invest in their lives so that you can share Jesus with them. Paul talks about it in Colossians where the conduct and character of believers working side by side with non-believers is so powerful. It's so powerful that the non-believers are the one who initiate a conversation about faith. He says in Colossians 4, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This kind of conversation can only, only happen if you're living in a way that shines the bright light of Jesus that lives within us. In Philippians 2, he says, do everything without complaining and arguing so no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Salt and light. That's what we're called to be. Salt and light. And that includes your workplace. See, there is almost no other place where people who don't know Jesus have the opportunity to observe believers in day-to-day -day situations and activities because they will see whether you are patient or impatient they will see whether you're kind or uncaring selfless or selfish honest or dishonest clean or vulgar in your talk they have the opportunity to see how well you live out your faith because listen inviting unsaved friends to church is a good thing. Sharing the gospel of Christ with other people is a good thing. It is. It's good. But I'm telling you, it's going to be useless, even counterproductive, if our attitude and our reliability and honesty on the job are questionable. If we don't act like Jesus, how can we share Jesus? So here's a radical idea I'm going to ask you to try. I'm going to ask you to commit. I mean, commit. To a regular Sabbath. And in that Sabbath, ask God how he wants to use you in your workplace. Ask God who you're supposed to be salt and light for. Be intentional about your job. Your job is more than just a job. It's more than that. Use your Sabbaths to prepare you for the mission field, and it is your mission field, that is ahead of you in the next work week. So the next time we're tempted to complain about our jobs, maybe we can praise God instead for our jobs. And the next time we're tempted to gossip about our coworkers, or we misalign our bosses, maybe instead we can turn the other direction and pray for them and thank God for them and find the good in them. And maybe the next time we just want to quit because we're so sick of our jobs, Maybe we'll look and see that God has us there for a different 
reason and a different purpose than just earning money. And ultimately, he's the one who establishes the work of our hands for his purposes. So I'm going to ask the band to come up, and as they come, I'm going to close with this story. Three men worked side by side as masons on a great cathedral. Each one was asked why he did what he did. The first man answered that he was working for a certain amount of money each day. The second man said he was a bricklayer and did so because he needed to pay off hospital debt. And the third man said he was building a great building for the worship of God. All three men were doing the same task, but with far different intentions. See, God wants you to find joy and purpose in your labor. So my prayer for you is that you will see your job in a different light. That you will see how God is working in you and through you in your job. My prayer is that you will see how God is providing for you and blessing you with overflow so that you may bless others as well. And I pray that you truly see your job as a mission field to share the gospel of Christ with others. As the shadows fell on the life of Solomon and he reflected back upon his life, this is the conclusion which he came to. Solomon said, then I realized, I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life that God has given him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are our provider. God, that you have gifted us with talents and abilities and God, that you have provided us a place to earn a living. God, my prayer is that we would not take that for granted. God, that we would see it as a part of your purpose and your plan. And God, no matter what we do, whether we're students and we go to school, or whether we stay at home moms, or whether we work in the workplace, God, that we would do everything to honor you. That we would see it as a sacred trust. And that we work to honor and glorify you and to share the gospel around us as we live our lives the way you've called us to live our lives. God, help us to rest in that Sabbath, to recharge for the week, knowing that you've called us to this mission. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.